Hey guys, uh, it's Denise and welcome back to episode four of Adventures of Single Momdom. Thanks again for tuning in and uh, supporting me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm in a really funky mood today and I actually wasn't going to record, but I had made a promise to myself that no matter what uh, was going on, that I was going to post on Mondays. Um, and I'm trying to keep things light and funny and, and airy, but then I remembered and I was talking to my son, Michael, and he said, you know, mom, you gotta post everything that you're feeling because it's about what life is like being, um, you know, going through uh, as a single mom or as a, a woman or anything. So, um, yeah, so I don't even have a script or anything written down today. Normally I have little notes and I kind of just flow through, but, um, it's been a, you know, a hard couple of weeks. Um, I'm, uh, I was already dealing with some, you know, uh, mental health issues and stress from, um, work and working and stressful situations and, and through the pandemic and things like that. And so I had recently started um, doing virtual therapy and um, behavioral coaching online, which has helped, which is how I got here um, to do things, you know, trying to figure out what I like to do um, and to help me with stuff. And, um, you know, in the middle of all that of trying to get better and get well as it is life starts to challenge you you know it's kind of like that saying that they say you know how do uh i can't even remember what it is but it's something it's like oh i can't remember something about tell god your plans or you know and all this kind of goes to shit but um so for the past year i've been working on you know just getting well and and um feeling better mentally and everything. And, um, I was finally at a space where I was trying to pull myself out and, um, you know, I'm dealing right now with a, um, kind of a breakup, which may come to a surprise to a lot of people because it wasn't, it's not your typical thing. It's not something that I talk about. Um, it wasn't your traditional thing. It's, the end of a, hopefully not, but the end of a 20 year beautiful friendship uh, that turned uh, very complicated. And uh, for reasons that are very, very personal to us and to respect his privacy, you know, I won't go into that. Um, and it isn't so much the, the loss of the romantic side that makes me sad. It's the, it's the, the changing of the relationship. It's the, um, you know, when you, when you've been with somebody that long, you know, they tend to know you're, hopefully, <laughs> if you find someone that 
makes you feel comfortable. And they become your true best friend. You kind of, you can let your guard down. And they know the craziest parts about you. They don't judge you. They just kind of join right in. And so we had this wonderful, fun dynamic where my son would even say that we were like kids. <laughs> when we were just big old kids. Because we could always talk for like, not even kidding, nine, ten hours straight about anything. Almost every day as if we hadn't seen each other. And if time ever kept us apart from each other, we would pick up as if nothing had ever changed. And we would have the craziest conversations about things that other people would find weird. And we found comfort that we were the weird ones. And um, there was no judgment. And, you know, he saw me at my worst, at my lowest. You know, we'd known each other in my 20s. And um, we met uh, right after I had moved here to Atlanta. And actually the story, you know, I joke around and, and my friends joke around and we actually joke around that, you know, our whole dynamic is like a, a movie. Like if you've ever seen Love and Basketball or Love Jones or something like that, you could totally rip our little story from it. And then it was like the greatest love story that never happened. And so, and I'm sure, you know, from his point of view, it was probably a little different, you know, because of course women, we romanticize things and, and things like that. But we even have a soundtrack. I have a soundtrack. It's actually on Spotify. But really, you know, it's my kid's 16, but I got these two monkeys. Anyway. So we met in our 20s. Um, I was 21 and actually before we met, I was here with my best friend Yolanda and, uh, we had gone to, um, on blind dates. We were in a church, uh, AKA a little cult. That's a different story for a different day. And we had gone on these blind dates to a wedding, right? And so we, <laughs> we were dancing, um, at this wedding and, and I don't remember any of this, but I've been told this story hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So, um, we were dancing and I do remember a piece of it. And I remember spinning around and stopping dead in my tracks from Yolanda's point of view. She said it was like a movie. She said, I was dancing and I looked over and I saw you and you had just stopped and your mouth went, and she was like, it was as if the room had gone dark and there was a spotlight on you and you looked across the room and I looked to see what you were looking at. And there was this beautiful boy and he was over there dancing and I was mesmerized. Uh, there was this magnetic thing like time stood still and uh, she joked, there was a song, uh, Human Nature, but SWV was playing it. And uh, that was a song that defined the moment. Anyway, just as soon as that happened, it left. And 
And I, and I never met him and we walked away and I, you know. And so I had asked around if anyone knew who this guy was and some knew, some didn't and, you know, kind of just kept going. And then I don't know if it was a few months later or not, we were, um, we were at a uh, charity event, at a golf um, charity event for orphans. And lo and behold, we were volunteering there and, and he walks, you know, um, with a group of friends and we had some mutual friends and, and I was like, oh my God, there he is, there he is. And uh, so it was arranged that we all would hang out that night so we could meet mom and a group of our friends. So we went out to dinner as a group and it was awesome. You know, he was fun and, and we clicked like immediately. Um, and that was actually the night that Aaliyah passed away. Um, and we all saw it on the news that night. And um, which is funny, that's how we know what our friend Versary is, unfortunately, you know. So after that, we saw each other every now and then. And uh, then our friend groups kind of merged. And it was just a natural friendship. You know, we um, communicated through, you know, our friends and then we'd hang out. And I remember going on our first date and like a hangout is what it really was. And um, we were just nonstop talking and, and getting along and everything. And I remember him mentioning that he loved this song, um, but he could never find it. And it was called um, uh, the I'm Going Down remix with Mary J. Blige. And I am such a hip hop and R&B person. Like I make mixtapes, I do all kinds of things. And I've always been that person. So I'm like, you need a long pound. I am your person. Like I kid you not. And in case you haven't even told, I mean, this is, this is my love language. So, um, I went home that night and I, you know, it was back then when Napster was around and I found the, I found the remix and I put it on a little CD and I went to the mall where he worked and I went to tell him thank you for a wonderful time and I handed him the remix and he was like, oh my God, you know, how'd you find this? It's what I do, sir. It's what I do. And uh, from then on, we know we were friends. I don't even remember anything after that. Um, and it was such a pure friendship. It was uh, genuinely a real friendship. You know, there was never anything that was improper or anything. We genuinely just loved each other's company. And yeah, there was a little crush there, but I didn't want to risk it because I just loved being around him so much that that took precedence over everything. And, uh, you know, we would hang out and, and things like that. And I remember we lived in the same apartment complex at one point and I would sneak over at like weird times when everyone was gone and walk over barefoot and come down the stairs and knock on the door and he'd let me in and, and I would climb into this papasan and just kind of fold into this papasan and he would play music, play his guitar. We would just talk. For hours and hours and hours. And, uh, 
Yeah. And so naturally I fell in love as you would, as you would, as you would fall in love, but I didn't want to tell him. And I figured if he felt the same, he would say something and he didn't. So of course, in your twenties, you have this wonderful thing where they tell you, you know, the best way to get over somebody is to get under someone else. And, um, so I started dating, uh, someone else and I ended up with my bonus beautiful beautiful little boy and that was a very surprised pregnancy um you know we, we didn't really even know each other well and I remember telling my friends and my family or not my friend all of them like before everyone knew and I was so devastated I was like oh my god I have to go tell him he's my best friend and what's he gonna think and so I remember we were headed to church that night um, and uh, I drove him by myself. We were in my car. I picked him up. I said, hey, I'm going to pick you up. We can ride together. And he said, okay. And so I picked him up and he sat um, in the passenger seat. And I remember exactly where we were. We were driving down, you know, Roswald Road. It's the street here in Atlanta. And uh, we were on the corner of Roswald Road and Dalrymple and we were about to turn right. And I remember saying to him, and the crazy thing is, is he and I have always had this connection where we knew what the other person was thinking or was they going to say before the other person could say it. I don't know how. We could read each other's thoughts. And I remember saying to him, I've got something to tell you. Or I need to tell you something. And without hesitation, he said, you're pregnant. And I said, yeah. And without skipping a beat, he said, um, well, that baby's going to have a whole bunch of uncles. And that was his way of letting me know that I wasn't going to go through this alone because he knew that, you know, I didn't know his dad very well. And I didn't know what was going to happen. So anyway, um, Long story short, I don't even know if I'm going to end up posting this because it's so, um, it's so, uh, raw, but so anyway, as it went, I, you know, obviously went through the pregnancy and the relationship between my son's father and I was, um, tumultuous to say the least. He was very insecure and, um, he at one point thought that, you know, the child was my friend's. And it never was. My friend and I hadn't even ever held hands. You know, it was that pure and innocent of a friendship. I had only been with his father. And so in order to preserve a relationship with my son's father, I had to step away from my best friend. This is where it's like a movie, you know? And I had to distance myself so that I could give my son a chance at um, having a family. And it was the most painful thing ever. And I thought about him every day. Every day. And I was so sad that my son wasn't going to know him. And, uh, you know, so it led into me not seeing him for about four years. He never met my son. And uh, in those four years, it was a very volatile 
situation. I was isolated um, from my friends and things like that. It was an emotionally abusive situation um, for me. You know, neither of us really knew each other. Uh, we were there out of obligation. We both loved our son, but it just was something that we probably should have stayed in. And um, so uh, there was a, a situation um, that caused me to leave and I left. Michael was four and we moved out. And I think I waited a few months and my, my heart was just so, the first person I wanted to call was him and see if he would forgive me after being gone for four years and still want to be my friend because I had thought of him almost every day. Missed him. And so I gathered up the courage and I found his phone number and I sent him a message and he answered and he acted as if we had not missed four years and we made plans to hang out. And uh, I remember being so nervous because I hadn't seen him. You know, we were now grown-ups, I guess. Um, I was just 29 years old. He was in his early 30s. You know, we weren't kids. And I remember talking to my girlfriends and they knew how much I had had a crush on him and everything. And they were like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know. And we're just going to meet up. And uh, I had gotten dressed up in this really pretty white dress and um, went to go meet him. And I was so nervous and I remember bumping into him and it was just, you know, it was kind of like he was, a, we met, we were going to go to eat at this uh, sushi place and I met, met him to the store next to him because he was there and I just walked up to him and I was like, Boop. and he was like, Boop, you know, and it was just like, like how we used to be. And so we had a very fun evening where we, you know, drank and ate and Carried on into the wee hours of the night, talking and extras. And um, then he's a beautiful roaming nomad, an artist. And during that time, he, you know, needed to take care of some things. So he moved and we lost touch again. And then during that time, my son was very little and he wanted to, he was struggling. And in my infinite wisdom, I thought, you know, he's struggling because he needs a father. And against my better judgment, we moved back in with uh, his dad. And I remember sending my friend a message and I said, I can't be in your life anymore. I've got to walk away and I sent him a song and it was Erica Badu and it was Next Lifetime. And if you know the lyrics, it's, you know, what am I supposed to do when I want you in my world? How can I want you for myself when I'm someone else's girl? And then I'll see you next lifetime. Maybe we'll get it right then. And uh, it was the hardest thing, but that was a condition of my son's father. He said I was not allowed to be friends with him. And for the sake of my son, I, I did it. And we stayed 
for another four years when we lost touch and um, things got worse in the home. Uh, the abuse was worse and uh, finally I got out, I bought a house, I, you know, I, I took my son, we made plans, you know, and we left and uh, bought a beautiful home, my first home from Michael and I, and he was about eight years old when I left. And so, and I apologize, it's probably going to be a little longer, <laughs> that's why I don't know if I'm going to post it, but, so we left and, and about, I think I bought the home in May and around February, I think. I was talking to a friend of mine who, from our old days when we used to be in the church, and he mentioned that he had spoken to my friend, our friend. And I was like, oh my gosh, tell him I said hello. And throughout those conversations and stuff, he said, you can call him. He said it was okay. And I was so nervous. And I remember being at work and I remember sitting in the stairwell at work and gathering up the courage and the butterflies because I'm like, not only have I left him once, but twice. And here I am and I'm going to have the nerve to call him again and ask him to forgive me and to be my friend. And I called him and he picked up the phone like nothing had ever happened. And he said there was no need to ask for forgiveness. And so we talked. And we talked for hours and hours. That was back in um, 2013. And we would talk all the time. And then we shared music and things like that. And he wasn't living in Atlanta at the time. He was you know, up north. And um, so I remember coming upon the first year of my house. And I was going to have this wonderful housewarming party. Um, and I was like, oh, I wish you could be here. And he was like, oh, me too. And I was like, oh, you know. And I was like, well, when you come to Atlanta, let me know. I would love to see you and blah, blah, blah. So the night of my housewarming party, at a house full of like, oh, I don't know, 40, 50 people. And uh, all these people I hadn't seen for a while. And I'd welcome them to our home. And, and I had music playing and all this other stuff. And um, I was just completely just running around saying hi to everybody. It was a really fun night. Michael was having a good time. And uh, the music stopped. And I remember going into the kitchen and it was back then and you know, it was early, well, 2013. So my music was being played off my laptop. And um, I remember running into the kitchen and I was trying to get it to sync again with the speakers. And someone, um, See, everyone was kind of like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm getting the music back on. And then I hear a voice that says, um, oh, I don't even remember now because I'm, I'm thinking about it. But he, he said, check the speaker or something. He said something. And I was like, I got it. He said it again. And I said, I said, I got it. Right. And then he said it again. And I was like, oh, who is this annoying person that is telling me how to turn my own music on? Music is what I do. And I turned around. And he was standing right there. And I remember my hand. What I had noticed is that the room had gone completely silent because everyone knew, everyone knew he had come in to surprise me. And uh, my hands went. And I don't know if I think I jumped. <laughs> he had flown all the way down. 
and arranged it and surprised me. Um, at my house for me. And I was ecstatic and he pulled out his camera and he took all these beautiful pictures of my friends and my family and things like that and we stayed out all night and we left my own party and we went drove around and went to go see our friends and we reconnected in ways that just felt right and uh, you know, we kept that going for a little bit and then of course he went back and forth and throughout the years it was a back and forth thing and then finally he you know he moved here and there's a whole bunch of years that I could talk about and things like that but one thing that I will say is that through all those years I was at all kinds of stages both of us were I can only speak for myself though he had seen me as a church girl, a college student, a mother, a pregnant person. He had seen me um, as um, in my worst. He saw me at the highest in my weight, about almost 300 pounds. He had seen that struggle and never once in any of those years had he ever made me feel less in fact he did the opposite he had a way has a way that makes me want to be a, the best version of myself he inspires me to be higher challenges me he, without ever, he's not a affectionate or a warty person. But he had a way that made me feel beautiful and smart and like I was the most powerful thing in the room. That I had a magic about. And he had the same power over me. And, you know, the chemistry was undeniable. You know, our friends were always like, when are you guys going to, you know, be together? The timing was never right. You know? Um, and we both fought for the friendship more than anything else. You know, he dated other people and things like that. And... We always had our own little situation in between. And um, they were very solid though. And the love, the love was, there's no denying that there was such a strong bond and love between the both of us. Um, you could see it from across the room strangers could tell you know we would go places and strangers would come up just like they were drawn to us and, and 
they want to hang out or you know come talk to us it was like a magnetic thing whenever we're around people just wanted to be around us and it's just this thing we both bring out this calmness and this light around each other it's like someone i've never i've never met anyone my entire life like him you know and it's like i knew him in another life you know and and was kind of excited that he found me in this one that's why I was like I'll see you next time even if we don't work out in this one and I was confident when I said that so we uh we had some times where we had to separate again and he left and it was about a year or so before the pandemic hit that um we didn't speak and i thought about him again i'm telling you it's almost like a harry met sally where we're just like you know and i was upset we had a we never fought and, and it's funny we have a a thing between us where in 20 years you know he never said an unkind word to me and vice versa and we never yelled at each other or anything and, and our claim to fame was this one night where we did get upset and we were standing outside and we had a whisper fight and we were upset with each other. We were starting to get into it. And I said, you know, can't yell out here. I've got like white neighbors. Cause I just moved into this neighborhood. And so we had this whole fight in a whole whisper and we had some friends standing out there. Like, are, are they out there fighting? Like a, having a whisper fight. And I mean, it was a whole thing where it was like, I can't believe you. And you said this. But it was like the most respectful thing ever. But that's how we rolled. You know, there was great admiration and great respect um, for each other. A lot of love. So this last time before this, um, there was a, you know, a moment where we just had to separate. You know, it was just... I had fallen so deeply in love with him um, and he just did not have the same feelings. And I couldn't get mad about it, you know, um, but it just was too hard to be around that. And so we separated, but there was a lot of anger and resentment on my end. And um, he left, he moved back up north and then the world ended. And we got thrown into this apocalypse. I think it was right in the beginning. And I remember having a dream about him. And I wondered about him. I said, what's he doing? How is he? You know, is he sick? Has he caught COVID? The world is ending. And the only person I can think of who means anything to me besides me and my family is him. And I remember having a dream about him that something had happened to him and he had gotten hurt. And I woke up and I texted him and it had been like a year and a half and I texted him and I said, I had a dream about you, that you had gotten hurt. I just want to know if you're okay. And he called me. <laughs> As if nothing had been missed him. We talked as if we had never missed a beat. 
because that's what we do. Am I caught up? And he talked about moving back here. And I said, come stay. Stay with me. Come visit. Let me know. In the middle of pandemic. <laughs> come stay with me. All risk of the plague. And uh, there's a song for that, too. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and put the soundtrack that I created down here, if you guys are interested, because it's actually quite lovely. But... Um, <laughs> there was a song, uh, If the World Was Ending. You know, if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? And he did. And he showed up. And we've been inseparable since then. For a good 15 months, 16 months. And this year, it was different from the other times. You know, we had gotten um, a place nearby. We spent whew, almost every weekend together. It's always here. My son and him actually bonded in such a way that you know, my son loves him so much. The, the bond that they have is actually quite beautiful. He is our family. My son learned, taught my son how to shave, taught him how to drive, talked to him about girls and relationships and God and everything. They would have all these long hours where they would talk. Michael, you know how teenagers are. They don't like anybody. But he would come over and Michael would come out from his room. And he would follow him around the house like a little puppy. Because that was his dad. He admired him, looked up to him. And it touched my heart, especially because I don't let anyone around my son. I'm very protective about that. And it was so cool to see my favorite, favorite human in the world connect with my other favorite human in the world. And they would have these conversations and it was the coolest thing just seeing this friendship develop. Much like our friendship. And it was pure and it was just beautiful. And we would all three sit around and talk and it was our own little family, you know, and, and when he came back, the pandemic had just started and we were isolated and, and things were rough and like everyone else, not everybody was doing so good mentally and spiritually. I was in a bad place. My son was in a bad place. And I always joked and told him that he saved us in ways that he would never understand. But he always looked at me kind of funny. But he did. He became um, a pillar of strength. He guided us. He put us together when we were a mess. He strengthened us. He um, 
us relax, reminded us of who we were, he lifted us up. He made us a family. And so that's why this is really hard. And we want different things. He has a checklist. And he's very analytical, very, or very emotional. And uh, there are certain things that he wants that I don't have. And this is, he's not bad for that. Everyone has something that they need. Deal breakers, I guess. And uh, our timing is off. He wants a baby. My son is 16. There are other things, you know, that I just, I can't meet. And people can love you you can't force someone to be in love with you no matter what you do no matter how much peace you are no matter how much chemistry there is you can't love for the both of us and so we have to love we had to step away. There were other factors that kind of came into play. But honestly, that's not what makes me sad. I feel like a limb is missing, a piece of my soul. I feel, I don't know how the friendship would be able to thrive or survive. Um, in the way that it has been for the past 20, 13, 7 years, last year, as intense as it got, as entangled as it got. I don't know how to scale back, and I don't know how we would be able to carry on, but I know that um, there is such a hole in my heart, in my soul. I don't seem right. I can't wrap my head around it. And we both love each other so, so much. We want the best for each other. But this is hard. And I really do feel like a piece of me is missing. And I'm doing this because of him, actually. <laughs> he had been for a year. He's like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's his voice that I heard today when I didn't want to record that got me here. And the shitty thing about having someone in your life at this capacity that you love, but is also your best friend, is that right now in this moment, I'm hurting and I want to call him because he's my best friend, but I can't because he's the reason.
but if he's watching, if you're watching, I love you. I will always love you. Our soundtrack is below. most definitely definitely find you next lifetime bye guys thanks <laughs>